0: Welcome back to another edition of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do this without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to start by saying thank you to all of them. First, to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herff Jones. Varsity Brands. Elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to thank our Platinum sponsors. Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Gilman Gear, always a step ahead. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. And Vital Signs. Bring student achievements to life. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Educational AD Podcast, this time featuring the FIAA Insider. Our guest today is a good friend, Steve Ripley. Uh, Steve's a Certified Master Athletic Administrator. He's had a, a long career in the state of florida he's been a member of our board steve welcome to the show
1: thank you great to be here
0: well as you know steve athletic directors are busy so we're just going to jump right into it tell our listeners a little bit about you uh you know where you grew up where you went to school uh let them get to know steve ripley
1: well i I mainly grew up in florida spent a little time in georgia in my middle school freshman years but uh went to high school down in Miami, Archbishop of Curley High School. I finished up there the last three years and played uh, baseball, uh, even played a year of soccer there. Went on to Biscayne College, which is now St. Thomas University, right there in Miami. And uh, there I played a year of baseball and then messed up my shoulder and finished up my career playing uh, soccer the last three years. I played soccer uh, for them and then I was on the five-year plan instead of the four. That's okay. I had a great time. And then went on and got my first job right there in in Miami at at Pace High School.
0: Okay. Well, uh, you know, tell us about, you know, that career path, how that first job, you know, led to the next job and eventually got you onto a path of being an athletic administrator.
1: Well, I first started off teaching um, religion, believe it or not. And then uh, – did a little coaching. When you come out of college, you, whatever coaching spots are available as a young person, I took it. I coached football, um, a little bit of baseball, uh, but I mainly was a basketball coach. I spent most of my career, um, coaching basketball at Pace. High School, where I got my first job at a college. I took over the girls basketball program. And then I was there for three years, moved up to the Fort Pierce area. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, coached at John Carroll, Port course, Lucy High School. Uh, of I taught at those places as well. And then when I went to the public school route, I taught math and, and coached mainly basketball. Um, and then uh, Sertini, I coached basketball. And then the last 12 years, I've been an athletic director. I was. I just uh, retired two weeks ago. But uh, anyway, I was the last 12 of years, that. I was an athletic director. So, um, Eight years of those were at John Carroll Catholic High School. In fact, that's where we, you and I, first met because you were at Palmer Trinity down south, and then I finished up my last four years at, at Centennial High School as an athletic director.
0: Now, we we always talk about the importance of uh, leadership and, and mentoring the next generation. Uh, who were some of your mentors? Uh, you know, growing up, you know, coaches, people you work for, uh, you know, who really had an impact. Uh, on your career as a teacher, as an educator, as a leader? Well, when I was at
1: Curley, um, I played baseball, like I said, and, and uh, George Barquette was my head coach, who was respected by a lot of people during that time, just the way he treated us as high school young men, um, building relationships, those type of things. And then as I carried on, my mentor, when I was coaching basketball at Port Lucie High School, uh, the baseball coach Tony Malaysia was a great mentor just by his work ethic. He wasn't going to get outworked. i kind of was driven that way. Most head coaches are usually driven that way anyway. We're not going to get outworked, but uh, that was one of those people I looked up to just because he was willing to put the extra time in Saturdays where maybe some people were sleeping. Uh, you know, the athletes were out playing and of course mine kind of followed suit with that. And for the athletic administrator side, uh, you know him very well, Dan Neustein, uh, the athletic director of Port St. Lucie High School. Um, uh, he got me involved with some other activities on campus, events, event management type things, and announcing and selling tickets and security. All the little jobs we give other people, he he made sure I was a part of that. And then he said, if you become an expiring AD. And as soon as I became one, he said, "You need to start going to the state conference, national conference." Um, I end up, as you know, as you've already mentioned, I end up on the board. Uh, I'm, I represent the FACA, our coaches association, on the FI AAA board, and um, I really haven't looked back. I've been very thankful that I've got that advice, and and then I kind of you got to take it. You, you take the advice, and you got go to go, and put your own footprint on every little step you take, and I think I've done
0: that. So Oh, absolutely. Uh you mentioned uh we cross paths when you're at John Carroll. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, you started at Pace, uh John Carroll, you know, a little bit smaller school, you know, you finished up uh uh at Saint Lucie West, you know, big public high school. Uh what are some of the challenges uh you know being an athletic administrator? At say a smaller school versus a bigger school, and then you know obviously bigger school you have more people to deal with, more programs. But how is it different working at a, say a smaller school? Obviously, you're
1: actually I had like 400 students at John Carroll, and and I had like 700 athletes at Centennial, seven eight hundred, even 2,400 2,400 not dollar 2,400 uh, student body, but the, um, if there's any differences when I was a small school, you are basically kind of doing everything on your own. I didn't have a secretary, um, Centennial I had a secretary, so I was able to uh, obviously get some uh, help there, which helped me with some things that I, you know, was I, I implemented at the bigger school. You know, there, there was some similarities, athletes are athletes and they have the same needs on both campuses, whether it's private or public. Uh, We had about the same amount of teams. I had lacrosse at John Carroll. I didn't have it at um, at Centennial. But we had flight football. So there's some things. Of course, flight football is a little bit easier to oversee than lacrosse uh, for many reasons. That's for a different day. (laughs) But uh, there was a lot of similarities. The athletes were, uh, they embraced what we put into place at Centennial. We added an academic code of conduct contract i felt it was needed principal gave me uh carte blanche to do that coaches bought into it and you know my relationship i built with the coaches was the same as when i was at the private school so differences were the size of people paperwork you know more athletes more paperwork so um played off campus for football um there were some challenges there but when you work with we had a great relationship with parks and recs so that it kind of ended up working out you know uh, once I got used to what that process was.
0: You've touched a little bit on um, various jobs uh, of athletic administration uh, that that don't get seen. You know, there's that uh, famous saying um, about coaches and ADs that everybody wants our jobs on Friday night, you know, when the lights are bright, but nobody wants it during the week. Nobody wants it on the weekends or summers. Um, what are some of the things that you've seen change over the years as far as the duties of an athletic director. You've had a long career. And even going back to you know when you were an athlete, uh, how has the job changed for today's athletic director from just say the last 10, 15 years?
1: Uh, one of the things is we're, we're being held to be more accountable. Paperwork, liability issues, our athletic packet, even in the last four years at Centennial, the athletic packets of both schools were very similar. You know, there's a bullying page and there's a, a harassment page those kind of things but what they've added even now the last couple of months now we've got a, uh, a virus uh, waiver parents so you know, i think we've the paperwork is what it is at some uh, but it's, it's it seems to have increased the last couple of years and um that makes it a little bit heavier on us the um I think parents have become a stronger issue. Um, my parents stayed out of, out of my business and let the coach do their job. I, unfortunately, I feel that there's more parents. We've had we always had parents like that, but it seems like that has increased. Uh, people want to step in where they really don't belong. I don't mean a parent doesn't belong in their child's life, their athlete's life, but I, there's more of them that are willing to give their opinion that doesn't seem to, you know, it's taken away from letting a coach do his job. I've seen coaches decide, I just, I've got to go. I can't do this anymore. And we're not talking because of their age. And you know, they've just, and the other challenge we have, Jake, to be honest with you, is finding coaches that are driven like when you and I were coaching, you know, and a lot of us were coaching that, that are willing to put the extra time in. We do that as ADs, the hours are, What they are, Um, you know, whatever, how many hours you want to put in a week, depending on how many sports you got going on. But for, I've had a little bit of a difficult time finding coaches that are, not necessarily don't do a bad job during the year, but a lot of sports are year-round, staying involved with their athletes and communication skills and things like that, that. That's why I
0: lost my hair, I think. I've seen those pictures of you. Uh, we had similar hairstyles back in the college days, uh, and, and you made a real good point earlier. Um, when I, I, I hate to say this, but when you and I graduated from college, um, if you were said, you know, hey, we need a baseball coach, and and you didn't know anything about baseball, hey, you were going to coach baseball because you wanted to coach, you wanted to teach, you wanted to 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 be involved in that career. You know, nowadays it's just so common uh, talking to a young, you know, fresh out of college. Uh, what do you mean, JV coach? You know, I'm a varsity coach, and uh, it uh, it is very challenging, as you said, to find you know people that want to you know work hard and and do things that uh, uh, that you just got to do. Let's go ahead and uh, shift gears from some of the challenges to some of the uh, uh, favorite things. Um, as and again, you're retiring, but looking back on your time at John Carroll, your time at uh, St. Lucie West. Um, you know, what got you up in the morning? What uh, got you excited about coming into school? You know, give us your, uh, you know, top four or five things that uh, made it fun to come to work each day.
1: Well, you know, when I, when I was coaching, I kind of did the same thing. When I was an AD. I, was, I thought it was very important to build positive relationships with the athletes. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter whether they were the top, your top player or that role player. And, and I've really taken that same approach. As an athletic administrator, every sport is important. Um, I think it's kind of leading, and I enjoy getting up in the morning. Even in the last couple of days, when I was, I knew I was done. I enjoyed going on campus and 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 communicate with my coaches. And you know, especially if I knew they had a tough game the night before, I was kind of searching them out to to see if they're okay. Because if your coaches are driven and they care, then they're hurting. A little bit, you know, and also to help celebrate them something they pulled an upset or those kind of things. But you know, as an athletic director, sometimes you could get away with being involved with the athletes, and I took a lot of pride in staying involved with them. You know, I I didn't let the paperwork and that and those things that we have to take care of get in the way, and I look forward to that. And I tell you, the last, especially the last couple of years, signing day became a uh, big treat, even during this uh epidemic we've been through. We did a a virtual signing for our last two, uh two baseball players and two basketball players. And only parents could be there, but we we did a Zoom thing and all the players were uh we, they couldn't be there, but the teammates were part of the Zoom and we made the best of the situation on their most important day, get ready to move on to the next, you know, we were, we just took a lot of pride of on both campuses making sure those athletes that were supposed to move on, uh, we celebrated with them, you know. Um, I don't know if that's leading towards your answer. I'm hoping that you're looking for But those, those kind of got me excited even to the, you know, the last couple of days here. So,
0: uh, We've had a very um, uh, elite group of ADs that we've spoken to, including you, and every single one has said the same thing. You know, it's activities involving the kids, you know, being involved with the kids. Uh, You mentioned COVID, Uh, let's go and talk about that. Um, What were some things that, uh, well, you mentioned the virtual signing, we did those uh, activities as well. Um, What are some things that are going on right now in your district with regards to summer workouts and return to play in the fall? Uh, You you know, you and I know, both know it, Florida's, um, (laughs) there is no norm. Uh, it's up to the individual school district. So what are some things that y'all are doing right now with your kids and your coaches? Well,
1: uh, I'm in St. Lucy County. So we have like six school public schools that, um, but we worked with the other counties around us. We would meet every Thursday for the last month, Zoom call at noon, the four county area and all the ADs, whether you had football or not, we just, we all met and we, we fed off each other suggestions. What is your school district doing? What are they allowing you to do? It, it, at my school in our county, we chose to wait till the 22nd uh, of June to, to start. And we were in phase one and we stayed in phase one. Of course, we didn't know at the time what the state was gonna do, but we stayed in phase one until uh, this coming Monday, July 6th. You know, phase one is, is a challenge and, they wouldn't allow us, we have a huge property that we could have separated and kids would have never crossed paths, but they they stuck to only allowing us to have 10, which included the coach outside no matter what, just 10. So football had to stagger their time. They did their linemen on campus and then they did uh, the skilled kids as a third party at uh, a partial red field, followed their protocol, which wasn't as strict as our school districts, but they still followed it, and, you know, we made sure they all had their paperwork in, uh, videos included, that, that waiver I mentioned earlier in the conversation. Uh, basketball then came in after football. You know, they, they used the weight room, 10 in the weight room, included coach, 10 in the gym, and that was it. And the staggered happening girls basketball later. Volleyball chose to, you know, with club volleyball being so strong, uh, our coach has a gym she's she's a club coach and club director so they and they went to a weight weight some kind of weight gym they paid the kids paid so you know we we here's here's the policies if you want to follow them here's what we're allowed to do on campus coaches are very uh, respectful for that and did a great job of staying on top of it we provide the sprays and the wipes and the thermometers and of course they check the kids like you're supposed to when they walk in on campus we gave them advice I said, when they walk up to campus, you may want to go and put them in a cool spot first, because otherwise it's going to read what you don't want it to read, and they don't really, really have that temperature. So um, I had my own Zoom meetings with my coaches uh, once a week, or maybe every couple of weeks as we were getting organized. They got real detailed. I made them get real detailed so they get approved. I didn't want the county to come back and say, nope, not approved, um, that kind of things. So I don't. I wanted to. Start it and not have to get pulled back or get you know make them stop it during the summer. Our county with the we had an area superintendent pop by to make sure we were doing the right thing, I don't, which we don't care because we made, we made sure we pushed it, do it the right thing, so you don't have to be forced to stop. So now we're just waiting to hear what the state's going to approve. As you know, the other day this, uh, uh there was a task force right. that recommended starting fall practices on the 10th of August. Well, I guess the FACA board's got to vote on that. And so I, my personal opinion, I don't think it's a bad idea. Uh, the kids have been missing at conditioning for what, two months. If, unless they did something on their own, you know, which a lot of the kids were doing depends on the programs. And they still have the same as an adult being there driving them in the right direction to do it, you know, do it properly. And, um, I think, you know, especially football, they need that time to do things, you know, uh, to get it right, depending on what they're going to be allowed to do on game night. You know, so uh, that's a scary thought because we don't know what the state's going to finally approve and what uh, phase we're going to be in. I hope it's phase three because it sure is a lot easier to deal with than phase one or two.
0: Yeah, I was talking with some – 80s the other day, and, you know, a couple of states have already come out and said they're canceling fall sports, or uh, and it just seems so premature to do that. You know, if, if you delay, it's still, when you do start, you know, week one is still week one for everybody, you know, and so right. um, it, it's not. And I
1: think if, if all the football coaches are made to play eight instead of ten, they'll be okay with it if it's everybody's on the same
0: page. Uh, especially like, if, if it's eight versus zero, uh, which is a possibility.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, well, some of no. schools in Florida have already canceled their fall sports. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but that's their choice. And like you, uh, especially the private schools, I think that they're they're making that decision. I don't know of one private school that did, but
0: right. I haven't
1: heard much. I heard others are considering it or maybe moving it to the spring
0: you know, I've only heard of, in Florida. I've only heard of the one school that, that has canceled fall sports entirely. But uh, yeah, I, I think, I think the task force was a good idea, and uh, you know, let's see if that recommendation comes through. Um, let's still stay on uh, on current events. Um, this um, late spring, uh, we saw you know a tremendous uh, uh, impact with uh, social issues. Uh, with regards to athletes and athletics uh, from your position. You know, what are some things that we can do as leaders, as athletic directors uh, to help uh, promote, you know, positive social uh, interactions?
1: You know, it, I think I feel fortunate in our, neighbor, in our community. It wasn't as uh, negative that's the right word as maybe other communities even in Florida as we've we've seen um, I think it's important that our coaches uh, listen to the athletes that are involved in that or, or, or I think it's we, we should be good listeners anyway I think this is a very important part that there's a platform there's a correct way of using a platform to express things that are uh, that need to be listened to um, I feel, I don't want to say, when I was out of school, I feel blessed that our coaches are good about that and being, that they've built good relationships that the kids can, the young kids, they're young men and ladies now as they get older, but I think listening is a very important part. I, I only posted one thing. I'm not real big on doing that, but I just know in my 40 plus years, there's been some great people in law enforcement and coaches, and you name it, a lot of work out there that I've worked with they are they're not an indication of some of the negative that's out there. And it's unfortunate. What's noticed right now is the very small percentage that represents those line of work. And um, I think that's important for us to express or be a part of uh, when we're communicating with the, with our student-athletes that our coaches, I just think it's, we're in a tough time now, and the more positive we can see on social media that the kids can see, the better, you know, hopefully that'll sink into them a little bit. We've got. To uh, I to- think you ah. hit it
0: on the head, you know, listening, uh, just so critical. Um, we're coming to the end of the program, and we always like to end with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. I'm going to ask you to uh, create a toolbox for a brand-new athletic director, and you only get to put three things in that toolbox. Uh, what three things are going to go in Steve Ripley's new AD toolbox? Um,
1: get to know your coaches. It's a communication tool. That it, it's a big piece of communicating. I, in fact, I already shared with the, the person who replaced me that when I took the job there, I met individually with each head coach and allowed them to um, express their concerns or positive things, um, wants versus needs. Uh, well, I think we got to be careful that now the budget's going to get. Second item is are you going to be able to adjust to a budget that's going to be cut? Um, ours is going to be cut 25%. And I think that's important to. Uh, for the uh, ADs to be able to, especially if they're young, to obviously, we may not be able to get some things. You may not be able to spend money like you we were able to in the past. Um, and, and maybe the third thing is, what are we gonna do about the... Oops.
0: We lost your audio there, Steve. Steve, we lost your audio there real quick. Um,
1: Afford to be able to pay that fee, and hopefully he won't have to cut back, or a new AD won't have to cut back on that situation because then the student-athletes lose out.
0: Well, Steve, um, it's just been great having you on. Uh, Again, you're a a dear friend, and uh, I'll actually see you next uh, uh, week on our FIAA uh, zoom, uh, meeting for our annual meeting. Um, I'm going to wish you all the best in the retirement, but I know I'm going to be seeing you. Uh, and, uh, thanks again for being on the podcast today.
1: Well, I appreciate the opportunity and it's always great spending time with you, Jake.
0: Okay. Well, Thanks uh, to everyone for listening. Uh, Please listen next Monday when John Scromolo will be our guest. John was the athletic director at uh, Riverview High School. Now he's the district AD, uh, and he'll be able to share some things with us. So for Steve Ripley and the Educational AD, everybody have a great day. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Educational AD Podcast want to remind you that the Zoom recording of this interview is also available on YouTube on the Educational AD channel. Thanks again for listening.